started out in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Now I want you to start over with me in Proverbs chapter 18. Go to the left of Ecclesiastes, you'll find Proverbs. We're going to look at a couple of verses here. As we saw the importance in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says that companionship is very important. It's not about making money and being wealthy. Those things give you no love, no comfort, no satisfaction. But he that hath friends is wealthy. He that hath people that love him, those are the people that have true success in this life. And so he's pointing that out, and he points out that everybody needs somebody, and uh, that's one of the bases of relationship. We have people in our life because we need people in our life. They bring things to our life that complete the needs that we have. Now, everybody in here is an incomplete person. Nobody can be all things. Nobody, unless your name is civil, can have all the personalities, amen? Everybody has different personalities. Some of y'all don't have any clue what I'm talking about. A movie that came out years ago about a woman that had like 38 personalities. And uh, I heard about a guy that had MPD. He wrote a poem that says, Roses are red, violets are blue. I have multiple personality disorder, and so do I. Amen. <laughs> but anyway... Nobody possesses all the personalities. Some people are serious. Serious people are sometimes drawn toward people who laugh. Uh, they're just drawn toward people that supplement their life with laughter. Some people are, are not as motivated, and often they surround themselves by people that push them. There's all kinds of, of things that this works in this dynamic, but the bottom line is we have an inherited need. God put it in us to, to seek out relationships. Now, in Proverbs 18, verse 24, this is a very important verse when it comes to relationships. I want you to see it with me here. It says this in verse number 24. If you're there, say amen. All right, here we go then. A man that hath friends must show himself, what's that word? Friendly. Boy, we see in this verse the formula, the key to having friendships, to having relationships. A lot of people, they're kind of like hugging a porcupine. I mean, they're just prickly, man. They're just hard to get along with. And by the way, sometimes it's a character strength when you have the ability to love the unlovable. Amen? Not everybody's going to have a gleaming personality. Not everybody's going to have a, a, just a, a warm, uh, attractive spirit. Some people crave love and attention, but their personality makes it difficult for them to have it. It takes a special person. To love that person but everybody needs love amen everybody needs somebody to care about them even the person who maybe struggles with their friendliness factor some people just don't know how to make friends they don't know how to how to just make light conversation they don't know how to break the ice they don't know how to walk up to people they don't know and introduce themselves they don't know how to 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 respond often to what people are talking about sometimes a good friend has to hear somebody talk about something that maybe is depressing some people don't know how to handle it Hey, there's a lot of people that struggle with this formula. The way to have friends is to show yourself friendly. You get a friend by choosing to be a friend. You realize you cannot pick the friends you have? I can't make anybody be a friend to me. Amen? There is no, I can't walk up to Brother Eddie and say, Listen, Eddie, I met you this week. Good to meet you. I've made a decision for us that you and I are going to be best friends. We're going to be besties, man. I've made a decision that you're going to be my best friend. I'm going to call you. I'm going to talk to you about all my problems and intimate thoughts. I am going to go on vacations with you. And when I need to, I'm going to bother you for money and help. 
and when I need to, I may even have to come sleep on your sofa at times if I don't pay the rent or whatever, but you're going to be my best friend, the rock that I build this relationship on. And I've chosen you, man. You're the one I've chosen of all the people. Now, first of all, I think the first thing he would do is, is say, well, hey, good luck with that as he's heading out the door. I think I'd scare him off. But it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. I remember guys in Bible college tried this approach with girls sometimes. You know, Bible college is a very spiritual place, and, and sometimes, you know, guys would try to use spiritual means to, you know, fill relationship voids. They'd walk up to girls, and they would say this, probably the worst pickup line ever. Mr. Ramona, have you ever had a bad pickup line? You ever had a guy just give you one, you're looking at him like, really, you, you thought of that all by yourself? You, you need to hire, a, you know, a writer. You think of the worst one? Don't tell us. These guys would walk up to girls and they'd say, listen, I've been praying about this and God has revealed to me that you are to be my wife. God has told me in my prayers, I was praying, God laid your name and your face on my heart. And guys did this. And they'd walk up to girls and say this. And, you know, I remember thinking, I think you need to have a plan B here. I think that this needs to, somebody needs to set you down and have a little chat with you about how to get this done. But... The reality is a lot of people struggle with it. They struggle. And we can't, we can't pick who's going to become our friends. Sometimes I meet people, and although they're nice and sweet, and we have a moment where we share, it never materializes anything beyond that. There are people that you meet, and it, it just kind of has an, an attraction, an, an, an attachment. You end up becoming people that you end up sharing your life with, but you never really know when that's going to happen. I do know this. I cannot pick who is going to be my friend. All I can do is always be a friend. I just need to be a friend. I need to be a friend to the people that I come in contact with. Sometimes it sticks. Sometimes it does not. Sometimes people find in me a need that, that maybe I will fulfill in their, uh, their, their need for intimacy, friendship. Sometimes it doesn't go anywhere. Some of the best friends that I have in my life, it started off with me just simply being a friend to them. And then sometimes it was reciprocated, sometimes it was rejected. But I do know that the key to having friends is to start out by just being a friendly person. Now, if you get that, you understand it. It's so simple, yet so hard. But if you understand it, if you understand it, excuse me, say amen. People say, well, I'm lonely. Try being a friend. Well, no one will talk to me. Try talking to them. No one will sit with me. Why don't you get up and go sit with them? Well, they might not like that. Well, that's probably the same reason they're not sitting with you. Amen? They're probably thinking, well, she wouldn't like me to go over there and sit next to her. The truth of it is, she's probably sitting there saying, how come no one's sitting with me? And it's a stalemate, and people gather in social events, and everybody just, we come together to be together, and everybody finds a little corner and just stands back watching everybody. It's hard to put yourself out there, to face rejection, to face that awkwardness. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible is spot on right here. Solomon knew what he was talking about. He says that the way for you to have friendships in your life, it starts off with just one simple measure. Be a friend. Be a friend. Now we see that verse, very clear teaching there. Go over to Proverbs 27 for one more verse, and I'll give you these practical thoughts and try to make it as quickly as I can. Proverbs 27, look at verse 17. 
very true statement made here. You hear me quote this verse a lot. I'm a great believer in it. Proverbs 27, verse 17. If you're there, say amen one time. All right, here we go. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Now, what Solomon is saying here is that good friends make you a better person. Good friends. Now, that, that by the same token, bad friends can make you a bad person. And there is a lot of teaching in the Bible about being careful of the companions that you make. We've got to be careful. It requires discernment. The Bible warns us about linking up with angry people and, and wicked people and sinful people. Sometimes you've got to be careful whenever you see people that are going down a wrong path. Not because you're afraid you won't like them, but because you are afraid that you will like them and they'll lead you astray. You have to find people going the direction you want to go. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? We have to be agreed on several things. I'll teach on that more later, but, but you've got to find people that are heading down a path of life that you're wanting to go down. And sometimes you get with people because you just like them, but they're leading you down a bad path. We have to be very careful. But we do know this, that a good friend, iron, sharpens iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Good friends can make you a better person. So we see the value in these three selected scriptures of, of, of friendship. We see how to get a friend. We see the value of friendship. And uh, Solomon, in all three cases, has taught on this. Now, I want to state right off the bat that, that today it seems that friendship has gotten kind of confused. We see people talk about how many friends they have. I have 789 friends. How do I know that? Because that's how many friends are my friends on Facebook. How many of you have people on your Facebook that friended you and you've never heard a word from them since? They never comment. They never say, awesome, great, congratulations. You post your favorite recipe for your favorite casserole. They don't even put the word yum next to it. Nothing. Sometimes you think you've been unfriended, and you go check the registry, and there they are. You're like, wow, I just hadn't heard anything from them. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, you have friends just because you're friends with a friend, and now they sent you one because they saw your name pop up in their friend field. And there are people who really want to collect Facebook friends. They, they want to run around saying, well, I have 5,000. I believe 5,000 is the max allowed, isn't it? I think when you hit 5,000, I don't think they'll even let you have any more. You have to delete some people. Sometimes you have to look at your list, find out who's a you know, worthy friend for the space and delete some of them. But people go around bragging about how many friends they have, and we live in this world where a lot of the people we have are Facebook friends, social media friends. They're more like acquaintances. These are just simply people that you know. There's a difference between a friend and an acquaintance. Acquaintance could be a lot of people, people you've met at work, people that you meet in the day Today, life, somebody that lives on your street, maybe you don't hang out or go to the mall or see a movie together. You would never invite them over for Thanksgiving dinner. But when you see them in the lawn, you will at least wave at them. And you know who they are. You know their name. But they're not anybody intimately involved with you. They're just acquaintances. A lot of people have a lot of acquaintances. But when it gets down to it, they have very, fruit, uh, very, very few true friends. For many people... Friendships are shallow at best. Truth is, it's difficult to have relationships because relationships need tending and they require investment. How many of you find that your life is busy? 
You ever feel like sometimes I have all the friends I need and I really can't afford to add any more? When you say that, what you mean is you know that it requires investment of time. It requires tending, phone calls, texts, messages, going to events, going to their kids' events, going to dinners, going to things. Sometimes you just feel overwhelmed trying to spread yourself out over so many people. I think whenever you talk to pastors, that is a burden. When pastors sometimes seek counsel, that is something that often we all struggle with. We just don't know how to spread ourselves out over the amount of people that we know. There are people who will tell us sometimes, Pastor, I've been in your church for two years. I don't remember the last time you invited me out to lunch. Now, I always want to remind them, I don't remember the last time you invited me out to lunch either, but one of me and, you know, 200 of y'all, but... Uh, and there's pastors that pastor thousands of people, but pastor, I don't remember the last time that, you know, you, you called me, and, and you feel so bad about that, and you really do, it hurts you. And, and sometimes pastors have said, I just don't know how to spread out to all the people that need you, and, and, and that is a, a case that not just preachers share, you share it too. Sometimes you just know so many people through family and through work and through just living your life. And sometimes these are acquaintances, people that you share areas of your life with, but they're not what you would call intimate friends. Now, the word intimate comes from the Greek word intimus, intimus, and what it literally translates to is innermost, innermost. If you think of friendship kind of like as a core, that core would be, think of, think of like a piece of fruit where you have, you have the core, then you have the fruit, then you have the skin. You have the skin, that are people that are just colleagues. There's a lot of colleagues, just people that you share responsibilities in life with. They may be people you work with, people you go to school with, people that live on your street. A lot of them are just colleagues, people that the course of your life requires you to share them in your life. How many of you have a lot of colleagues on that outer core? They're not people that you really feel pressure to buy them a birthday gift or a Christmas gift. They're not people that, that you feel like you need to go to their kids' graduation you're happy for them. You don't wish them any harm. If you ran into them at the Walmart, you'd at least say hi. How you doing? How's your mom and them? Good to see you. All right, goodbye. Yeah, it'd be one of those kind of things. Colleagues, they're on that outer shell. And then you got that inner part. Those are acquaintances, people you actually do know. You may go to church with them. I mean, it's impossible that you would have a best friend with everybody at your church, but, but yet people in your church may be on a little higher level they may be people that you would go to something for their honor. You might would go to a birthday party. Uh, you're not going to really, you know, call them up on a Friday night and talk for two hours. You're not going to invite them to go on a road trip to California together. You're not going to, you know, spend, you know, vacations with them. But they are acquaintances. You like them. You do know them. It's a little bit deeper level. And then you have that inner core, and that is the innermost, the innermost, the innermost. That is intimacy. Those are people that you do share secrets with. People that you talk about your innermost feelings with. People that know the truth about you and, and, and there's a freedom in it. People that see your flaws and love you anyway. People that you allow them to see you at your worst because you know the relationship is deep enough to handle that. Now, that's a little tiny. As you're looking at this, you've got a big wide circle here another circle inside it, and then you got this little tiny core in the middle, most of you have very few people that make up that core. 
Some of those people may include family. It might be a mother who has three children that are in that core. It might be a husband and wife who share that core. It might be somebody that's had one best friend for 30 years, and that's the only person that ever gets the truth from you. Everybody else gets the, you know, how you doing? Man, doing great. Everything's good. When that person asks you, how you doing? Well, man, things have been kind of rough. Uh, to be honest, I've had a rough week. Now, that might be one out of every 300 friends you have that actually gets into moose. Am I right? Say amen. It's a very special place to be with somebody. You are privileged to have somebody in that core. You're very lucky. And if you're the kind of friend who is in that core for somebody, that person is very lucky as well. It's sometimes a hard place to be inside that core, that intimus. It's that place where sometimes you hear uncomfortable information. Sometimes you're sought for counsel and advice, and that counsel and advice has weight to it. You're aware of it. What I tell them, they're going to do, so I better be careful. I don't want to be responsible for leading them astray. I mean, it's just there's a lot of pressure in that. And to be in that place has these four requirements. Are you ready for them? To be in the intimus place, to be in the innermost, the intimate spot there, whether it's a husband and wife or a best friend, maybe a family member that's close. Four things, y'all ready? Number one, it requires sincerity. Because people will not allow an insincere person to get into that spot if they sense it or know it. It's got to be a sincere love and a sincere concern. You know, we can all jive and roll with each other. You know, people, people, type A personalities can make everybody, hey, man, I love you. Hey, man, love you. Hey, hey, this is your world. I'm just a squirrel trying to get a nut. You're what it's all about. You know, there's people that run around doing that. A lot of us preachers have type A personalities, and we run around, you know, hey, man. But you know what? There are people who, when they say I love you, they don't say it very often, and you know it means something different. We know that in the Greek, the word love had four different uh, words. There's agape, that's intimus love, that's intimate love. There was, you know, phileo, that's fondness. You might say, I love chocolate cake. I love me some chocolate cake. By the way, I do love chocolate cake. Who's with me on that? I wish we had some chocolate cake right now. Anybody got any? You know, when I read the verse, two are better than one. Couldn't help it, Brother Chris. I thought about the Twix candy bar how much I'm always happy when I eat one side to know that there's a whole other side to it. Two are truly better than one. I mean, can you imagine if the, if the hostess cupcake only came one to a package? Wouldn't that be disappointing? Man, two are better than one. I mean, I can't go to Dunkin' Donuts and just get one donut. That's not in the Bible. Two are better than one, amen? People only going to allow you in when they see sincerity in your love and your, your commitment to them. Number two, it requires great selflessness. No one can be an intimate friend to somebody who only cares about themselves. A lot of people are lonely today. You notice that? I wonder how many dating websites exist on websites, you know, on, on the Internet. I don't know, let's consult the expert. Brother Jelani, how many are on there? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Don't answer that. He says, not enough, obviously. <laughs> not enough. Hey, man, 
There's a lot of lonely people out there. It's so funny to me that we live in Orlando. I don't know what our population is. I, I see it growing all the time. And I pastor right in the middle of a busy inner city. People everywhere. You can't get anywhere that there's you know, people in your way. You know what I'm trying to say? You, know, you ever try to drive to work and you get mad because people are in your way? Then you, and it re, you realize they're just trying to get to the same place you're trying to get to. You know, We're all part of the problem. But in the middle of all this, people are lonely. People have no one. And even sometimes people may have a husband or a wife but still feel very lonely where they just can't seem to branch beyond that and make good friendships. It seems to be very hard for people, but I do believe that a lot of people can never reach the intimacy part of a friendship. They have a bunch of colleagues and acquaintances, but nobody that's really there, that right-hand person that cares for your soul. Because a lot of it goes back to you being so self-centered. If you're going to have intimate friendships, you cannot be self-focused because it requires the investment to have friends. That means sometimes you've got to get out of your own way to have a friend. Sometimes what's good for them has got to supersede what's good for you. Sometimes their calendar has got to override your calendar. Sometimes their needs have got to be more important to you than your needs. You know what the Bible says? Some of you are like, yeah, I know what the Bible says about a lot of things. We don't have a pretty blank question. The Bible says, there greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. Now, the most obvious application is we take that and we apply it to Jesus, who laid his life down for all of us. It'd be a fair statement, and I think it correctly applies there, Brother Jeff. That's not what it's actually saying. I'll give you a for instance. Brother Greg, let's imagine that you have made plans to go to the Boston Lobster Feast. You haven't eaten in two days because you're going to hit them hard. You're going to have 37 lobsters. You're going to break the record. And I believe you could do it. I think you and I should give it a try sometime. You're going to go there and you're going to eat. You've been planning this, thinking about it. You're getting in the car. You're headed. You've got the coupon in the mail. You can't burn in a hole in your pocket. It's going to expire. This is it. This is the last night. After tomorrow, it goes back up to the regular price because you don't have the coupon. You're excited about it. You get in the car, and all of a sudden, the phone rings. It's your intimate friend. It's a good buddy. He says, hey, man, you won't believe this, but I was heading to work, and, and my, 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 my tire blew on my car. You're the only one I can get a hold of. I've got to have help. Me and my wife and kids are stranded on the side of the road. Can you come? And you look down at your hand, and you know. It's the Boston Lobster Feast. All you can eat lobster. London broil, crab legs. My friend, you're so cheap, you can't even buy a good tire. Which one? Which one? Now, you know who not to call, amen? Don't call Brother Mike. Hey, listen. All of us have been in that situation. All of us. What did you do? Don't answer it out loud, but what did you do? Were you able to take yourself and lay your life down? What's important to you? What was fun to you? What your plans were? Were you able to take it and set it to the side and say, I will do what's best for my friend? 
Now, that's a simple illustration. Sometimes it may mean letting a friend move in. It may mean letting a family member stay at your house. It may mean uh, giving up monies that you had saved up or something else, and you allow it to be used to help somebody else. Hey, there's all kinds of ways, but it takes selflessness to be an innermost friend. It takes sacrifice. I've already kind of covered it, but there's many ways you sacrifice for friendships. And it's got to be important enough for you to do it or you're not going to have it. A lot of people are lonely. They're not willing to make the sacrifices. They're not willing to sacrifice to invest into a friendship. Am I right? Somebody say amen. It takes strength. You know, when the Bible says iron sharpens iron, stronger iron sharpens the lesser iron. You see, when you rub iron together, the stronger metal will shave off of the weaker metal. In order for you to make a friend better, you have to be a little stronger in that area than them. Some people don't have the strength to bear friendships. They can't handle the burdens of other people. They can't handle hearing the burdens of other people. They can't handle the responsibilities and the things that I just described that are going to come up in a friendship. But if you're going to be an intermost friend, sincerity, selflessness, sacrifice and strength are required. Everyone in a relationship with you requires these things. Now here's the last part of the message. I'm going to try my best to throw it at you quickly because I am quickly running out of time. Here's, seven, here's eight things everyone in your life needs from you. Number one, everybody in your life requires love slash like from you. Love slash like. Everybody in your life is going to require some love from you. Now, we know that there is euros. It's the Greek word for erotic. It's where the word erotica comes from. If you're in a marriage relationship, your partner requires euros. Now, outside of that marriage, the Bible says that that is reserved for marriage. Amen? Amen? But in marriage, it is a requirement that there be intimacy in the area of erotic love. It's a romantic life. A couple that is not sharing that is going to be headed for some marital grief. But your partner in marriage requires love in that form from you. But there's also other forms of love. There is, as I mentioned earlier, there is the fondness. What the Greek call phileo love. Phileo is fondness. You know, a lot of people love you but don't like you. Does that ever apply? That uncle that you have, that complete jerk, comes to every family function and bows it up, has nothing, you know, good to say about him. And you love him because he's blood. But you don't really like him. You don't like being around him. You don't really like hanging out with him. You may have a friend at work. You love him because you're supposed to love everybody, but you really don't like him a whole lot. Well, my wife and I had a little tip a couple of months back. I guess it was a couple of years ago. I don't know when you said this, but I looked at you afterwards and I said, do you still love me? And she said, I do, but I don't like you right now. Now, that's what you call it, intermoose, amen? Intermost. You can say whatever you want in the intermost part there, but sometimes there's a thin line between love and brutality, Amen. She said, yeah, I love you, but I don't like you right now. But the truth is, everybody that shares our life, they need us to love and like them, and they need to hear it. 
Words of affection are so important. If you're going to have an intimate relationship with somebody, and I don't just mean a marriage. When I say intimate, immediately everybody goes towards that romantic side of it. Listen, I have friends that are very intimate friends with me. I share deep things with them, things I wouldn't want anybody else to hear. Truths, real conversations. When I would never let anybody else know that I'm afraid, there are people in my life that I don't mind saying, man, I'm scared. When I have to be brave for, for so many people, there are people that God has given me that I can just be real with. But you know, those people that I share that with, they need to hear from me that I love them in order for them to bear the burden of knowing me. Or else there's just no way you would do it. Do you know that sometimes you're a burden to people in your life? Your problems? I mean, this may shock you, but sending it home on a Friday night on a couch with you and hearing you pour out all of your problems is not quite as fun as it might seem. But how many of you have a friend that you have done that with? That friend must really love you in order to do that. Have they ever heard from you the words, I love you? Sadly, but a lot of married couples have stopped saying, I love you. They just don't say it to each other anymore. Well, she knows I love her. I fed her this week. Put a roof over her head. Aren't you some kind of prince, amen? Wondering what lottery of love did she get cursed with winning? Hey, people in our life need to hear the words of affection. They require it. And it needs to be shown. Husbands and wives, you need to kiss and hug a lot. Amen? Ah, we're past all that. Shame on you. Don't get past it. It's how God has given to us to relay affection in an intimus kind of way. Hey, my children, they get hugs from me daily. Kisses. My son, my daughter are sitting here. I don't know that there's been a day go by unless I was out of town that I haven't given them a hug and a kiss goodnight. Throughout the day, I grew up in a home where my mother and father were very affectionate. And I needed it. And there are people in our life that need to be shown that we love them, and not only love them, but they require to know that we like them as well. Let me give you a second thing quickly. People require validation from intimate friends. A place to go and be believed and believed in. To be consoled. A lot of times people feel that nobody validates the problem or the anger that they're feeling or the, the situation they're in. And in an intimate relationship, often you're relaying to them things that you need them to validate. They need you to say, yeah, it wasn't your fault. They need you to say, yeah, you know what? If I were you, I would have felt the same way. And sometimes we'll bounce things off of people because the truth is we feel bad for feeling a certain way. Sometimes it takes a friend to validate, say, no, no, you're, I would feel the same way if I were in that shoe. And we need that from the people in our life. Somebody say amen. We need validation to be not judged or, 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 or to have the feelings of hurt. We need for people to believe in us and validate our feelings, our dreams, and our value to this world. Have you validated a lot of the people in your life? 
Number three, we need to be made to feel like we're a priority. Everybody that you share a friendship with needs to understand that they're a priority to you. They need to know that they are on the list of things that are important to you. And they see that through how you use your time and your schedule and your attention. Relationships require time investment. Number four, they need to know that they are appreciated, noticed, and valued. You know, appreciation is something that goes up in value. Somebody say amen if you understand that. Depreciation is something that goes down in value. You know, we often have a depreciation effect in our relationships. A lot of our friends are kind of like that car you bought. You had to have it. You went to the dealership. It was so beautiful and shiny, and it had every gadget on it. You knew it was going to cost you some money, but you figured if you didn't eat lunch and you canceled the kid's insurance and... You know, you figured out a way to buy it, and man, you were so glad that you drove it out of that car a lot, drove it home. And I mean, buddy, if even one love bug hit it, you were out there with a sponge wiping that off. You'd park eight spots over at the Walmart, keep other cars from parking next to you and shopping carts. And you did that for about three months. And now you can't remember the last time you washed it or changed the oil in it. Your kids have taken a milkshake and just spilled it right in the middle of the seat. I mean, you know, it's just a car now. And you know what? You paid $30,000 for it. And you paid for five years. Now you go to trade it in, and it is now worth $3,000 to your local trade-in, where it was depreciated. Some of you guys, when you saw your wife You'd have done anything to have her. There is no obstacle that would have stood in the way of you getting a date with her, asking her out. You wanted her to be your wife, and man, there was no amount of time that was too much. If she even walked by and said, boy, I wish I had one of those, you'd go out there and buy it and bring it to her the next day. Men in the room, am I talking truth here? You pulled up to the front of stores when it was raining, let her out, you know? I mean, you, you cared about her. You, you considered her feelings. You spoke sweetly to her. She was appreciated. Then you put a ring on it. Immediately, the depreciation effect started. You used to tell her how much you loved her and how beautiful she was. And, and every time you saw her, you noticed what she wore. When was the last time you even said you look pretty? When was the last time you were paying attention when she said she wanted something? When was the last time you said, I love you? Let me tell you what happened here. You had a valued relationship, and you appreciated it. Then you got married, and the depreciation effect started. Now you resent giving up time. Now you don't want to have to invest anymore. It happens in those relationships. It happens in friendships. You meet a good friend, and for the first three months, boy, you appreciate this friendship. Somebody to go shopping with. Somebody to go fishing with. Somebody to hunt with. Then all of a sudden, it gets to the place where now that, you know, that friendship's hit a place where it's requiring some investment. Suddenly, that friendship that you held up here, now you don't even return their texts. 
You don't call them anymore. You don't get with them. They've asked you out to dinner nine times in the last six months, and you've been too busy every time. What happened there? You depreciated the value of that relationship. By the way, it ought not be a test of people's character to be our friends. Am I right about that? Well, if you were the kind of Christian you should be, you would accept me the way I am. With all my flaws. Sometimes people make friends and they, it's like a test of their patience to be a good friend. That ought not be. That ought not be. And then that depreciation, they no longer matter. They're taken for granted. Kind of like a favorite toy that a kid begged their parents for for Christmas. And then two weeks later, it's left out on the lawn to rot and, and ruin. Many of our relationships have been left out on the front lawn to just rot and ruin. We haven't done anything to keep them up. And these people don't feel appreciated, noticed, or valued in our life. We never have time for them. We never call them. We never check on them. We never... Uh, take a minute to just try to get with them. And I don't think any of us are perfect at this, but I do know that if you have intimate relationships, you have to do these things. Some of it's a cost that's too high. And there's a lot of lonely people in the world because of the cost. Let me ask you this. Do you still notice what people in your life do for you? Man, when was the last time you told your wife that the meal she cooked was good? Children in the room? When was the last time you looked at your mom and said, thanks for that dinner, it was delicious? Or do you just take it for granted that there's going to be a meal sitting at your dinner plate, uh, uh, at your spot at the table every night? You realize that your mother comes home from work, she's wore out, she's exhausted, she's tired, and she just wants to relax, but she comes in and has to cook? Or it may be your father that does that, maybe your older sister that does that. When was the last time you looked at her and said, that was a great meal, thank you? It might have been mac and cheese and some Walmart rotisserie chicken. But somebody put it there for you, and all you had to do was show up and shovel. When was the last time you said thanks, Dad, for Burger King? When was the last time, kids, that you looked at your parents and valued what they do? That's part of intimacy, having that close relationship. When's the last time that you were thankful for the house being clean, for your clothes, your socks being in the drawer, your underwear, your T-shirts, your, your clothing being washed by your wife or, or somebody in the house? When's the last time that you appreciated hard work done by people in your life or time given or beauty or talents of the people in your life? When was the last time you looked at your friend who sang in church and came out the door and said, man, that was a great song. That touched my heart. Now, we just assume they know. Well, I clapped. Intimacy requires appreciation and value. It's easy to hurt a relationship through depreciation. Therefore, we must compliment people. We must notice what people do, and we must have a distinct value price on that friendship. Now, let me wrap it up here. Number five, everybody in our life desires to be respected, treated like our opinion matters or our advice is important or the dignity of communication. If you're not showing up, send them a text, amen? If they invite you to a party and you can't go, at least return their call. That's what intimate relationships require. Tone. They want a respectful tone when you're talking to them. Perception of goodness, wisdom, and honor. 
They want that to be in that relationship. Number six, to be correctly evaluated and understood. They're going to require that from you, to be correctly evaluated and understood. That is to process what you say correctly, to process what you do correctly, to process how you think and operate correctly, to process your motives and evaluate them correctly. Sometimes we need people that love us to look at what we do and why we did it or how we did it and understand it correctly. Sometimes somebody can do something. And if you, there might be three ways that it would be bad and one way that it could be taken good. Sometimes you, in that intimate relationship, you just have to know their heart. Maybe they gave you a compliment that could be taken bad or good. You ever had that? You know what you have to do? You have to evaluate that person correctly. Well, I know their heart. And if there was a way for it to be bad, I'm sure that's not what they were meaning. Amen? Good friends have to do that. Number seven. Almost done. Everybody needs you to be a companion and not a competitor. Be truly happy when good happens for them. When they get a new car, don't be the one out there pointing out all the flaws in it. Don't be the one mad that they got a job promotion and now they make more than you. Intimate people in your life need you to be a companion, not a competitor. Sometimes we destroy relationships because we're so competitive. Can't be happy when something good happens for them and they know it, they feel it, they sense it, and a gulf will develop. Now lastly, they need you to handle them with grace, number eight. You know why? Because we are all imperfect. And we all need forgiveness and we all do dumb things, and you will ruin a friendship if you don't have grace. Sometimes they're going to be insensitive. Sometimes they're going to say the wrong thing. Sometimes they're not going to be what you need them to be. But if you're going to maintain intimate relationships with people, they need you to handle them with some grace. Who can say, preacher, that is so true. Raise your hand. If I can get one good amen, I'll stop talking right now. I want you to bow your heads then. Those are eight things that people that share your life